0: We're not buying anything for the holidays this year in my family. Mm. Um, we're putting all our money towards you know, frontline activists and artists and institutions. Uh-huh. And we're not buying anything. We don't need anything. We have everything.
1: Good evening. I'm Eliana Yoa, and I am the president of the Emerson College Skin Tones. <laughs> On behalf of Emerson College's Office of Intercultural Student Affairs, the Social Justice Center's uh, Flawless Brown Artist Collective for Self-Identifying Women of Color and Arts Emerson, I would like to welcome you to the live taping of Adrian Marie Brown and Autumn Brown's uh, How to Survive the End of the World podcast featuring special guest Toshi Regan. Mm. Uh, <laughs> We are excited to be joined today by three special guests. Adrienne Marie Brown is the author of Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good, and Emergent Strategy, Shaping Change, Changing Worlds. Yeah. (laughs) She is a writer, a social justice facilitator, pleasure activist, healer, and doula living in Detroit. Autumn Brown is a mother, organizer, theologian, artist, and facilitator. Autumn brings over 10 years of experience facilitating organizational and strategic development with community-based and movement organizations and training organizers in consensus process, facil- facilitation, and racial justice. And last but not least, we have the incomparable singer, songwriter, and musician Toshi Reagan, who has been a mainstay in the entertainment and music industry for more than 30 years. Toshi is considered a one-woman celebration of all that's dynamic, progressive, and uplifting in American music. Regan's mo- musical adaptation with her mother, Bernice Johnson Regan, of the sci-fi Afrofuturist mas- masterpiece Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower brings together over 30 original music- musical anthems and recreams drawn from 200 years of black music. Uh, next, we're going to have a selection by my homies, the Skin Tones, who are an acapella group comprised of Emerson students of color that seeks to elevate their voices by singing the music of only people of color. Come on here.
2: I do my hair toss, check my nails, baby, hey. Keep it <em specjal metres underinsky> moving, yes, Lord. Try to get some new in this swimwear. Going to the pool. Come now, come dry your <osium>. eyes. You know you're a star. You can touch the sky. you been through? I got a bottle of tequila I've been saving for you. you Boss up and change da your da life. Da you can have it all, no sacrifice. Do I know we did you wrong, right. we da can make it right. So go and let it all hang out tonight. Do he have- don't
1: Podcast "How to Survive the End of the World." Already know that creators Autumn Brown and Adrian Marie Brown are both writers, activists, and facilitators who provide a guide on how to navigate and sur- survive the world with grace, rigor, and curiosity. Please welcome. Me, please join me in welcoming Autumn Brown and Adrian Marie Brown to the stage. <laughs>
3: here. I know. That's always exciting. This, mm. is, um, this is our friend Toshi. <laughs> She's kind of famous. <laughs> You're a little bit famous. Oh my god, Her parents are here.
4: Where are they? Do you see them? They're right there. <gasps> parents! Mm-hmm. And my beloved is here. They're beloved. right there. Oh my
3: god. You're beloved. <laughs> Not <laughs> to get confused. Yeah. I love you too. It's yeah. that's all love. <laughs> Hi, Toshi. Anything you want to say to welcome yourself to the peoples?
0: Hello, everyone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so um, the other things to know about Toshi is Toshi, on the podcast interview that we did with her, broke down for everyone the only correct approach to the electoral process. So if you missed it, go back and listen. If you have any friends who are confused about, like, how do I engage? What do I do? They should just listen to it, and that's the right way. Um, <laughs> so, I'm, as I said, I'm a Virgo, so rightness is my thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that's important to know. So, yeah. Do you want to ask a question? We have basically what we're going to do is ask some questions and have some conversations up here. And then at some point, we'll have you all talk to each other a little bit, and then we'll do it all together.
4: Mm-hmm. Sound good? Yeah.
3: Okay, exciting.
4: Yeah. Be ready for participation.
3: Yeah, but not, like, too much, just, Mm -hmm. like, gentle.
4: Yeah. (laughs) And we'll give guidance also on how to participate. Yeah, the year's almost over. You won't have to make it up. Yeah. Um, Cool. So I think the question that we wanted to start with is, so it's December 2019. It's almost 2020, which is hard to believe.
3: A whole new Uh, decade. Literally.
4: Uh, we're living in the future. Yes, and um, we wanted to begin with a question um, first for you, Toshi, about what is your good news here at the end of the decade?
0: Mm. Oh, so much good news! Um, doing a parable opera, I people come up to me all the time and say, "We're in the time of parable." You know, kind of all is lost. We're in the time. Oh my God, <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, and then I'm like. Did you just get in a car with a stranger that you called to your door through an app? Did someone you don't know like deliver dinner because you were hungry <laughs> through an app? Did you walk outside and go to the corner and do something? Did you I just just some like all these things? Are you and on a date? Because are you of on an a app date? Because da, 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 da. I mean there is uh, parable conditions all over the the worst of parable of the sower conditions all over the planet but if you are not in those conditions it is excellent not just good news and actually you are not to bend in, energetically into the idea that it is going to happen to you you have to bend in the other direction mm-hmm. and it is your job to rescue and save everybody else on the earth Not so much applause about that. But it is the only way that you will exist. And your children will exist. And flowers will exist. And trees will exist. And water will exist. You have one job, bend out of the idea. Yes. And use everything you have. And I'm happy to say I know so many people who are with gusto taking on that as a way to live their lives. Um, into the next decade, and, um, and that is good news. Mm. That mm. is very good news.
3: That's such good news. Ain't that mm. good
4: news? Mm-hmm. Ain't that good news?
3: All right. What about you, Autumn? What's your good news at the end of this
4: decade? Mm. Mm. What is my good news? Try. I think my good news that I'm here to share is that liberation is possible. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Um, this year gave me kind of a new um, sympathy for climate change deniers, um, because <laughs> it is very easy to be in denial about the actual conditions of your life. Yes, it um, is. Because it can be very overwhelming to actually have to acknowledge the, the actual conditions of your life. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like in many ways over the last few years, I was like a climate change denier about the conditions of my own life, like... There's like uh-huh. a forest burning all around me. And I'm like, no, there's no forest burning around me. And also, I live here, so I'm not leaving. And That's right. um, And when I turned and confronted the actual conditions of my life, it became very clear to me what the path was mm-hmm. towards health and wellness and freedom. Um, and it's interesting because going through what I've gone through over the last year, a lot of people in my life have, have reflected back to me how brave I am. And one of the things that felt really clear to me as I was making choices, like moving myself towards liberation, changing my life, was that like bravery is the thing that we do when no other choice even appears obvious to us. That the thing that we're doing is the only thing that appears to be the obvious right choice. Yeah. Um, or the obvious next move and and that for me felt like the the liberatory path was making the only right choice and Hmm. I feel like a completely different person going into the next decade and it's been very beautiful for me so I just wanted to like share that with all of you and share that with y'all that like it actually is possible inside our lives and inside the world that we live in. I love that. Yeah. Um, What's your good news at the end of this decade?
3: Well, I wanted to say it's been so good to live inside the arcs of both of your good newses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> like I, I can't believe that, like at the beginning of this decade, for me there was no opera, right? There was just like the books and the prayer of a film, you know. Like I hadn't imagined beyond that, and to now get to live in a world where like. This thing that I love and worship and keep returning to, this text that feels so important that everyone knows, is now coming into the world in a new way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oof! I'm so grateful to live in that
4: world, that Mm -hmm. reality, and the time uh, of the parable opera. The time
3: of the parable of the opera. Mm
4: -hmm. The parable of the opera. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, parable of the opera. Sure, (laughs) let's
3: do it. That was the third book. And then I feel like watching you go through your liberation process is, has been um, a great gift to me as well. You know, I feel like when you're related to someone who is going through liberation, it means that everything must change,
4: right? Mm. Um,
3: and so I feel like it, it dusts off everything, you know? Like everything gets shaken up. Um, so thank you all for living into the good news that has been coming to you. Um, I feel like my good news is... Like satisfaction is medicinal. Mm. Something like that. Mm. Um, <laughs> I've been in this period of immense satisfaction in my life. And I'm forty-one. This is this year I turned forty-one. It's Look at amazing. all that forty-one. Look at all this forty-one, honey. I work hard for this forty-one, you yeah, know. You did. I worked hard for each of these years. I can feel that in me, but I know I also am like, oh, and there's more to come. But I feel so much satisfaction at this moment, and I think um, the way that I've been socialized a lot of times is you, you don't focus on your satisfaction, you focus on um, what you don't have yet, how hard everything is, how tired you are, how dusty you are, how bad the day dusty. was. You know, <laughs> it's just sort of like, oh, someday I'm gonna get somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like so many people are oriented towards some other time when things will be good, yeah. and. For me, it has felt very important to be like, I'm a black, fat, queer woman who is happy now today. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful to, you know, I interact with kids that way, like, hey, (coughs) I love you, and I'm happy, and I love me. And that's very important. It feels like all of the things in my post-apocalyptic vision are based in children getting to see happy black women somehow yes. it's all connected yes um, it is all connected <laughs> it's all connected that is the life force yes. through which everything comes it's I, I think so <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you know I feel like professionally personally you know I'm like I feel like I'm well loved um I feel like I have have written things and I'm like I feel good about it you know it's not like there's also that part where the satisfaction because it's hard it's hard to complete something you know enough that you're like good enough right and I feel like I've done work that I'm like, good enough. I'm satisfied. Yeah. So now I'm about to head on sabbatical uh, December 12th. And, <laughs> uh, and it's exciting to me to also be like, okay, what is the next thing that wants to arise? Um, but I feel like often dreams or longings arise from dissatisfaction. And I'm really curious about the idea of having a longing arise in me from a place of satisfaction. Mm. Like, OK, as a satisfied person, what do I long to now bring forth? Or what do I want to yeah. let come through? Yeah. So mm. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm curious and yeah. interested. So I brought this tarot deck. Um, this is a new tarot deck. Uh, it's called Modern Witch Tarot. It's so cute. For the modern witches out there. For the modern there. witches out there. No Dusty Witches. Okay. Um, I don't know why Dusty is just, like, available to me right now. This theme is going to go
4: into the title of the show. Um,
3: (laughs) So we thought it would be nice to pull a card now for 2019 and this decade behind us, right, a past card. What are we leaving behind? Is that baited?
2: Ooh. Well,
3: we are leaving behind the six of swords. Can you hold Ooh. that up?
2: I'll
3: read this. That is a very what does it mean? all right. So this is what's behind us. You're going to need to make a difficult choice, one that may might feel painful and almost impossible. However, you know deep down that this is the best path forward. It's definitely going to be rough waters for a while, and your emotions may fight you. But logic tells you this is what you need to do. Be well as you walk forward into the unknown. What? I wow, there? that's good.
0: I wanna put that also
3: into Does that resonate? I know, I'm like, we're kind of cute. I was like, yeah. we're still in the unknown now, y'all. Uh-huh. So, but that's what was behind us. And we got to the unknown. We made the hard choice. We made the hard choice. Mm-hmm. Did y'all make a hard choice this past decade? all right so we're hearing a lot of like sucking of teeth so i (laughs) think yes Mm
4: -hmm. later
3: maybe we'll pull a card for what's coming we'll see if we're ready for all that Mm -hmm. all right beautiful
4: thank you adrienne yeah thank you
3: also your child just texted me
4: really what'd she say
3: um they said hi
4: oh that child
2: Mm -hmm. okay
3: i say
4: (laughs) hi back Right. See, I got my children phones a couple of months ago, and they have now just started. They will only text other people. Me, they text They, won't, they won't text or call me. So. But they love you so much. They do love me. I they know that they love me. They text me like, are you with my mom? So. <laughs> it's like You could just text me. Anyway, um, so um, Toshi, we wanted to engage you a little bit around um, the opera. And particularly thinking about your, um, your time here at Emerson, you're in residency here for the next year and a half. And, um, you know, I really experience you as one of the great teachers of our time. That mm. You teach through song, you teach through writing, you teach through presence, the way that you hold space while you're performing. Um, and, um, and also just the way you hold space in, in any room. Yeah. And um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you are um, interpreting Octavia's Butler, Octavia Butler's work as a teaching tool for our time. Um, what do you hope to awaken in people as a part of the process of engaging with her
0: work in this way? Mm. Um, Thank you. I think um, one of the first times we did the opera, it was the US debut. It was at um, University of North Carolina by um, Carolina Performing Arts. And before we did that, they gave me a fellowship. And the fellowship was uh, called the Still Fellowship. And it was... um, I was supposed to meet a, a faculty person, and the faculty person um, would then think about um, from their work how they would like to engage the community yeah. that they were in, and then um, and then and through the uh, vehicle of art, maybe we could do some communication. And one of the things was. Uh, you have a, a school and faculty and they were like we know so many things and we <laughs> and then we don't necessarily know how to get it from you know this academic world into the general stream and so that's where the artists came in um, and I had a dinner and they said they invited all of these faculty members in and they said which one do you want to work with and I was like they're all awesome I'll work with everybody who wants to work with me and mm. um Turn it around. Yeah. uh, They were amazing. I wanted to work with all of them. And Uh I went home and I drew a picture because I just didn't really know what it would look like. But I drew a circle and I put these lines and I put issues that are in the book and then I kind of surfaced them through the faculty of what might be issues through Hmm. um, in that community. Uh And then it took, and then I'm still going back. And then I decided that the show would not be the point of its existence. But a path would yeah. be the point, and the show would be a belly button. Um, it would be a place for us to gather, hmm. and a belly but butt. yeah. But all of these things could happen walking into it, and it could continue walking out of it.
2: Uh-huh. And
0: um, parable of the sower and parable of the talents surface so many um, issues um, that you know in in this country in particular, but on the planet that literally you can do anything. Yes. You can gather around any issue. And that also, I didn't have to be the the a center voice. Like, I make the, I make it accessible, but I don't know these communities better right. than people who live in them. Mm. That's right. I don't understand them better, so I would be like, what do y'all want to do? <laughs> and, That's right. um, and how do you want to do it? And I tried to be a good listener. And... Um, and so now everywhere that we have done the opera this process happens I come into the community and I come back um, over and over again before the show happens and then I come back after the show happens mm-hmm. and um, and then here we have you know this great residency um, that's funded um, Art Emerson has done a, an incredible job of, of helping to create a circle of giant circle Uh of people who will be engaging throughout the next year and a half and beyond. I don't really see an end um, in collaboration with each other. But the cool thing is I will bring people from the other cities here to engage. And so the idea is to break the borders. To break this idea that yes. I'm here and something happening over there is not affecting me here. Right. And to get everybody who has these skills, for example, like food justice warriors, you know, that's they're great. everywhere, you know. So bring them together, and then we all go out and do what we got to do. So that, that's, mm-hmm. it's bananas. It's, it's beautiful. Not, it's not simple. It's mm-hmm. bananas, but it's awesome. I love it. I love it. Mm. That's how we doing it.
3: That's how we doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I feel like you are, um, you know, I think of it dandelion style, right? Like dandelions contain an entire community structure inside of each little piece of them. So when a dandelion blows and it seeds somewhere, it's like a whole community is popping up here. It's not just yeah. me, one dandelion, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm looking at the communities you've been landing in now and seeing that. And it's beautiful to come behind you, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we did a, an emergent strategy immersion in Durham. And it was like you had created so much fertile ground mm. of people who were thinking about apocalypse and in a, as a place of possibility. Mm. <clears throat> and thinking about, <clears throat> sorry, y'all, I'm recovering from an illness. Um,
4: but is it, though?
3: I hope I'm recovering. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so. The thing I was saying, we came into this space and all these folks had a sense of not just possibility, but also culture is not something outside of or Mm -hmm. sprinkled on top of how we do movement work, but it's actually like, oh, a core function is what are the songs we're singing to each other? Mm -hmm. Um, What is the harmonization? Like, what do we sound like? How do we feel together? So I just want to, I'm grateful for how you're moving it. And um, we want to talk, you know, one of the things we were, we, we, teased y'all with was talking about climate apocalypse. And, teaser, it's always fun. So, and one of the things I keep thinking about is how do we reframe our concept? Because I hear people say, we need to save the planet. Like, how do we protect the planet? The planet's gonna die, the planet's all this stuff. And I'm just like, I, I have a different frame on it, which I think is, um, <clears throat> I think is useful right now to think about how do we actually get ourselves in right relationship with this planet? Which is very resilient and very strong and going to be fine um, after we go extinct if that's what we choose to do. Um, And right now, that's what we're choosing to do, right? Mm -hmm. To just be like, oh, you know, we are not um, being victims of this. It's like we're making choices every single day that propel us in that direction. And um, so, as we think about like 2020 and the next decade to come and what we're creating in that time, I would love to hear what do you think is the first move or sort of the first domino that we need to, to do in order to get ourselves back into right relationship or start moving back into right relationship with this planet and, you know, not go extinct.
0: Yeah. I mean, we kind of, in Octavia's universe, we blow it. Yeah, big and time. We, and we cease to exist on the Earth. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think part of our, our situation is that we are very much webbed in to practices um, based on, you know all these things that are harmful to live your life by, So just the whole you know the, the isms, um, class, um, all of the fear of difference um, and then the economy, mm-hmm. no matter where you are on the spectrum. And we're not good at making fast, hard decisions. Um, we make fast, hard decisions when the danger is right in front of us. Right. But from our wealth and, um, and privilege, it takes us much longer because we probably want to enjoy our wealth and privilege. So <laughs> probably. we're probably. not buying anything <laughs> for the holidays this year in my family. Mm. Um, we're putting all our money towards, you know, frontline activists and artists, and institutions, uh-huh. and we're not buying anything. We don't need anything. We have everything. Everybody's voting in my family. Um, we don't uh-huh. care if we love the person. We're all <laughs> voting. Um, we're voting as a strategy, and we're protecting young people who might choose not to vote, right. and we're making sure the worst people don't, um, aren't in power and that they can't do what they need to do. So I think we each have to figure out what's our hard turn from the norm we can make and then do it. Beautiful. Yeah.
3: I love that.
4: What about you, Autumn? Mm. I, love, I love the framing of like what is the hard, the hard turn or yeah. the hard choice that we have to make that we usually only make when we're under direct threat. and. And I think about, um, and you know, we've talked about this before on the show. That you know, one of the effects of of living under sustained, chronically violent conditions is um, entering a state of dissociation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I think of it is like, well, you know, we live in a police state. And regardless of whether you are directly targeted by the police, you still are living in the police state. And there's some part of you that's conscious of the fact that that is where you live. Mm -hmm. Um, And that part of us tends to get shut down. Um, And so we're moving through, uh, we live in a very, very violent society, a society that's very comfortable with violence and we And I think we all collectively navigate that with a lot of dissociation. Um, And that, I think, is part of why it's hard for us to make those hard turns because we're not accustomed to noticing when our threat response is awake (laughs) and activated in our systems. And that threat response, all, all of the responses that our nervous systems have, our, it's a very elegant design, it's very intelligent, it's there to serve us. Right. Um, and so to me, one of the things that I think about is, is um, recovering cultural practices and healing practices that help us get in touch with the information mm-hmm that's coursing through our bodies at all times so that we Mm. can recover a sense of agency, so that we can make decisions that are actually in alignment with our highest good and our deepest values, so that we can even assess what our values are, right, that are helping us make decisions. Because right now, I think, you know, particularly in social justice and movement spaces, Lacking a a way of being actually embodied with our values, we tend to default to, well, you know, what's their ideology? What's their politic? What's Mm. their principles? And Mm. you know, are they actually like authentic or not? You know, and we we lose sight of the fact that like um, from an embodied place we do know that we are only going to go if we all go together. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no one who deserves to be left behind, and there's no one who deserves to go more, right? It's actually all of us. Um, and, but I think we can only get there when we're here. We can't get there through, like, an intellectual process.
3: Mm,
4: I like that. Thank you.
3: That's a good idea.
4: <laughs> yeah. um, can I just say more Yeah.
3: You yeah, say it, like 20 more things if you it's want It's really <laughs> hard.
0: It's really hard work to do, yeah. though. I should say, like, once I really started thinking, Toshi, your turn, I was like outside in my neighborhood and I realized how many people I didn't know. I oh, was yeah. like, I and my closest friends are blocks away from me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, I don't really know nobody right near me. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of change in my neighborhood, so a lot of people have left, and I think it's very hard to, um, you know, it's like go meet your neighbors, yeah. and like start a dialogue, <laughs> like and it's like you go ah! meet your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, white people who put a two million dollar house on my block, I don't want to know you, uh-huh. um, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, so. It is hard work, it's I you very know hard. It, it challenges a lot of your your own can I say that word shit yeah, it challenges your own shit, you know quite, quite a lot <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it 's been interesting to think about like, oh what are the moves we have to make, and what are the moves I have to make and I always think about this, Grace Lee Boggs was one of my mentors and she said that you had to transform ourselves to transform the world. And people love to say that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and put it in their email. They put it in their tagline, <laughs> What's meme, t-shirt, gif. Uh, yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you mean. That thing at the bottom. I'm like, who does emails anymore, you know? But <laughs> I know uh, Toshi and I die trying to be hard in contact email. with each other is so funny because you're like, uh, can we do a phone call? I'm like, can we do a text? And you're like, a voice message. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, but I think about this piece, like how do we relieve ourselves from this idea that we are better than, which almost all Americans have baked in a little bit. Like we are better than someone else. And so the fact that we were born in this country means we have the right to some existence that other people don't have a right to. Mm. And um, that when we travel, you know, everything should be organized around how we are, mm-hmm. and that all the resources of the universe should be organized around how we are.
4: And our predictable just needs.
3: talking with our father. Uh, he's reading this book, How to Hide an Empire, and it was really moving to me. I had to repost. I was like, I want everyone to know about this. Because I'm like, you don't realize that you are imperial. Um, and so, part of what I feel like, oh, one of my big hard turns is to really ch- seek out inside myself what are the ways that I think I am better than um, anyone else, mm-hmm. and more special than, more deserving than mm-hmm. anyone else, and how easily that comes, right? That comes in. And for the past couple of years, with the books coming out and everything, I get treated in a very special way, like you are special, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, are. I'm I've, I. I know I'm like awesome. Yeah. But it's not that kind of thing of like, no, you're not awesome, girl. It's like, it's not that. Because the idea is not, I have to shrink any part of myself. It's more I have to recognize the equal humanity and specialness and beauty of each person, Mm -hmm. and I don't do that. Right now I move through the world, and there's certain people who catch my eye. They're sparkly. They seem to be on the same ideological bent, and I'm like, we, you and I, Mm -hmm. we're better than, (laughs) you know, and— So one of the ways I'm making that move is really trying to decentralize myself from the work that I've done in some ways, Mm -hmm. right? So it's very quickly become like, oh, emergent strategy, Adrian, boom, like that. And I'm like, no, like, emergent strategy, like tons of people notice this. Tons of people observe and see Mm -hmm. this. Tons of people are already practicing this. I gave a language to something that tons of people are doing. And so how do I move myself out of the center of the narrative Mm -hmm. of how this gets done because, the American way is to centralize myself, to brand myself into that narrative, to make it so you have to come to and through me right. to get it. Trademark. And, exactly, right? And there's been so much you know, people telling me that's to what to do. And now pleasure activism, same thing. Like, oh, girl, how are you going to grab it up, wrap mm-hmm. it up? Don't let anyone mm-hmm. else have some. Um, Unless they can pay you for it, right, or whatever. And so trying to be like, no, I want to decentralize these ideas. Like, I want a future in which as many people as possible. Have access to the idea of themselves as nature, to the idea of right relationship to change, to the idea of pleasure. Like I want that to be something as many people have as possible. So part of my scholarship over this next period is about that. Is mm-hmm. like not just uh, thinking about like, well, how could I do that, but like, what are the steps I need to take to actually make that kind of thing happen. Um, and then what are the hard skills I want to keep growing up alongside of my philosophical, theoretical skills? Yeah. Because right? I'm like, I can think really good. Like, I'm really into <laughs> my thinking process. But I can imagine, you know, I, I think about that. I'm like, but do I know how to connect with my neighbors? Right? And I know how to connect, again, like with two neighbors. Right? And one of them is three years old. I'm like, <laughs> we are good. Like, I really understand you. <laughs> You only want to do five-minute visits. That's perfect for me. Auntie for the apocalypse. I'm the auntie for the apocalypse. (laughs) I am. But I don't know how to explain that to a stranger. Like we just made it on the road, and I'm trying to, you know, they're trying to decide if like I'm worth adding to the caravan of survivors, right? I'm like, I'm really good at theoretical conversations. I can facilitate this meeting, you know. I'm like, no, bitch. Like, can you help me deliver a baby? Can you like suture a wound? You know, stuff like that. So I feel like I'm really landing in, and I think everyone. I really feel like that's one thing that Octavia offered us. Was like, what are the hard skills that go alongside of any other skills that you have? And do you know that now is the time? Now is the time mm-hmm. to have those. And I'll say in the last two weeks of my life, I've had multiple experiences where suddenly something happened very quickly. And I was like, do I know the skill set I need to know if I have to save this person's life? Mm-hmm. Do I know the skill set I need to know if I need to intervene? Right now, the police are coming. And um, some, of this, some of the stuff is like, yeah, I really do. I have some skills. And some of the stuff I was like, I do not, but I could. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I offer that to each of you to really think about that for yourself, not just yourself in the scale of like as a student or a part of something, but like as a human being, if the apocalypse happened on your walk home tonight and suddenly there were people that needed help, what can you do to help them, right? And I think we need to get very tangible about that because, you know, this electoral process, I don't know. You know, I really I prepare for the post-apocalyptic. Like, I'm like, I don't know if this electoral process is going to last too much longer. Like, I think if we have another Trump victory, I think the whole thing might. We just might go Puerto Rico on these people. You know, Mm -hmm. just be like, no, right? Bomba riots in the street. Mm -hmm. We're done with this. So, and I'm excited about that. So, (laughs) I do want to pull a card now for the coming decade.
4: Mm. All right.
3: So this will tell us kind of how to prepare for what to be alert for. It's not a future, you know, it's not a, I always say, don't try to use the tarot to predict things just for yourself. Yeah, use Octavia for that. All right, you wanna pick the card, Toshi? Sure. Use your left hand. Oof, beautiful. All right, so before we got the Six of Swords, Now we got the Ace of Swords. Wow. That's amazing. So the Ace of Swords, the essence. I literally just pulled this card like (laughs) three nights ago. You're literally the future. Ah! All right. A rush of clarity and inspiration comes with the beginning of this journey. Mm. You may feel as though your thoughts are racing constantly. The wheels are turning, and you've reached a revelation This is just the beginning of a difficult path, though, and you'll need all your wits and reason about you to see it through. Mm.
4: Basically what you were just talking about. Basically what we were just talking about. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, and actually, I wanted to say, too, in relationship to what you were just talking about, and this card feels like a good one for that, that um, I think it's one of the other things that we're going to need in the time ahead of us is to stop thinking of organizing as something that certain people do. Yes. Um that's right. because because that is a hard skill. We think yes. of it right now I think we tend to think of it as a soft skill because there's like a whole professional sector that's like built up around people who get paid to organize. Right. And like, you know, I'm like grateful every day that there's like that people can be paid to do that work. Yeah, we need to. Um, time. and and when I look at Octavia Butler's work, one of the things that uh, one of the patterns that you can see yeah. in all of her works is that is the the protagonist coming into an awareness of their innate capacity mm. to organize other people yes and to um, see skills and experiences and stories in other people that can be like called forth and and organized into like an elegant, yes, um, an elegant set yeah. that moves that helps people actually move along in a process. Yeah, and that to me feels like one of the skills that it's a skill that any of us can actually cultivate the ability. And, and part of it is really just cultivating the ability to to see other people, to like witness other people in yeah. their gifts, and, and then listen. invite those gifts.
3: Well, and that word invitation feels so crucial to me. Like, I feel like one of the most insidious ways that capitalism has infected our movement spaces is that it drives us to constantly be trying to exclude, to identify, like, here's how you are not me. Here's how you are outside. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. how your analysis is not far enough. Your feminism mm-hmm. is not sharp enough. Like, Here's how you're not me. And we need to shift that whole mentality to invitation. Like, we don't have enough people. How do do we see every single person as, how can you potentially be part of this liberation struggle? And I think even, I keep widening to, you know, it's not just organizers, we need movement workers. We need lots and lots and lots of people who, from whatever position they are in the universe, see themselves as shapers of the future. And I think that Octavia, you know, like, that was her thing, is I always think about that in Parable the Talents after ACORN was was destroyed and where she's like, okay, I'm not giving up my vision. Now I'm going door to door. Mm-hmm. And anyone who accepts my message, we will stay in the conversation and I will we will roll together. Right. And I, I notice, I'm like, oh, I'm not capable of that right now. Right now, I definitely move through the world. And I'm like, you need to be black with like your hair shaved on the sides and like a certain like, you know, aesthetic. And then I'm like, okay, I can see the justice in you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? And I'm trying to like, oh, how do I widen my- I can see the justice in you. Widen my peripheral vision again, you know, that I'm like, oh, there's so many people actually who care, mm-hmm. right? How many of y'all would say like, I want to shape the future, right? So there's I don't know why y'all came out here tonight. OK, but hopefully we open and invite more of you to feel that it's not that you choose to. You are definitely shaping the future. It's just are you shaping it towards the same old familiar, or are you shaping it towards something new? Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. And I think we need to be inviting more and more people to be like, we, through our practices, will shape something new. Mm-hmm. What, let's do that mm-hmm. intentionally.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Okay, let me see if we have another thing here. Our agenda is on my phone. We
4: do. Well, and actually, it feels like. Oh, and it's your turn. I mean, it could be. (laughs) (laughs) It's my turn. Um, Girl, that was great. Thank you. There's like there is a musical being performed in the next theater over. That's what's so happening. I could just go over it's there. It's just we're
3: feeling all of that exactly. Um, <laughs> and there's a musical between us.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, I I think it, in relationship to everything we've been talking about, there is this question of well, what are the actual barriers to us being able to see our capacity to. Vision and shape the future with intention yeah. um, and Toshi, one of the other questions we were interested in asking you is, is your perspective on like what are the barriers that you see people still having around acknowledging and being like in the reality of climate apocalypse,
0: like mm. what do you feel like are people 's barriers to acting? I mean, I know my barriers. <laughs> Are, you know, I know what I know and I want what I want mm. and, um, and I have to be taught like new things
2: mm.
0: and I have to want to learn new mm. things <laughs> and I have to be aggressive because I have to pay attention that now people are ringing a bell really loud and so now I'm like oh wow, I actually hear it
3: uh-huh.
0: and um, and I just think a lot of us are, um, are inside of that process. Uh-huh. You know, trying to figure out, like, you know, am I going to hear this bell? Am I going to pretend like it's not ringing? Um, and I think that's, that's it. We're also like, yo, they got us. They got us. Yeah. And we're going to have to, um, you know, divest from these systems because they are... Uh, sending us, I mean, I love, you know, mm-hmm. gadgets, Me too. but they're being used so poorly yeah. and um, so violently that we have to each make decisions. Like, why are we just accepting everything that they give us? Mm-hmm. Why are you tying your bank account to, like, 20 different apps? Like, why are you doing that? Why are you getting rid of cash? Why are you trusting these business people? Right. I mean, we need cash to run away. That's right. Why are you going to businesses that don't accept cash? You know, like, all of that has to change. So... Why are you paying uh, your taxes? Yeah. Like you know, David? you don't want to go to jail. <laughs> they got us on the taxes. It's not strategic yes. at this point, but it's it not. will be. I learned that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It will be. Yes. So, I just, I, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know.
3: I also think there's something about scale, right? Like mm-hmm. the what we're up against is is a system that's able to roll things out on a large scale. And so it feels kind of ubiquitous. It's like, "Oh, it's just everyone's doing this now." Like I remember um having this month where I had been very staunchly like, "I will not use the facial recognition thing on my phone, and I will never have Alexa in my house." And I went to all these like I was going to visit different hardcore organizers or whatever and they all had like Alexa in the house and all this stuff that I was like what are we doing this now I mean like we don't mind we don't care and it was powerful to me to be like oh all of us are letting this slip in and but it's because the scale is so large I think that's part of it and then I think hopelessness I think hopelessness is maybe the largest thing we're actually up against at this point mm. because i think a lot of people now are like i get it i understand i understand like that we're up against the end times i it's understand over. that like white supremacy is there and patriarchy is there and like some of this stuff is coming down and whatever i get that mm-hmm. but i also think that there's this deep hopelessness people feel like there's nothing to be done um there's no way we can do it in time They're we're too small, they're too big, all this stuff. And Mm. I feel like when I go to speak to college campuses like this, a lot of what I feel coming from young people is like a you know, let's let's just live it out kind of Mm. energy. And I keep thinking about the never ending story and how it has shaped my whole (laughs) 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 politic. But that, you know, if you haven't seen it, you must see this film. The the And it can't be spoiled. I don't think it can be spoiled. But it's it's just this film how the nothingness, right, this nothingness, which is how, like, when I think of capitalism, like, the essence of capitalism, to me, it's like a nothingness that is that just spreads everywhere, yeah. where you're, like, purchasing and purchasing and never satisfied. There's nothing that's mm. actually touching you um, in your heart where it matters, and that you can spend your hours consuming nothingness like consuming meaninglessness consuming things that don't move you like truly move you and change you and Mm -hmm. challenge you and um that that we've structured our whole society the sameness you know that you can travel and be in virginia or georgia or texas Mm -hmm. or all these different places and it looks the same more and more like that there's a, a landscape sameness that is spreading everywhere is a big box store and a strip mall and you know, like to go to New Orleans or someplace that's still holding on tight to its identity, it's like it's a revelation, you yeah. know, it's like a culture ah, ah, that makes my heart beat, that makes mm-hmm. me feel alive, you know, and so I'm like, I think part of our job whether we are, think of ourselves as organizers movement workers, whatever, is to combat that hopelessness, that sameness that nothingness, to remind people what it feels like to actually be alive and And have intention and be able to move something from your agency like move something from your mind create something Mm -hmm. and that we have it we all start with that you know this is why I love kicking it with my three-year-old friends because I'm like Mm. they're just like I make the whole world (laughs) you are gonna get me a pancake like (laughs) I know this for sure I'm in charge and it's like, oh, right, that is so invigorating. Yeah. And to go to places, I would just got to be in Puerto Rico last week, and to be in a space where everyone has told Puerto Rico, y'all don't matter. You don't matter to us. You have a hurricane, and we'll leave you for months with no power. You don't matter. And to be amongst the people who are like, we do and We are going to assert ourselves, and we are mm-hmm. going to uprise. Mm-hmm. And it's so—I it, mean, it was invigorating. I get chills every time I remember like what it felt like to be al- in that aliveness, mm-hmm. and and being like, "Oh, how do we bring that back out to everyone and remind people like we are not gone? Chile, Puerto Rico, Lebanon—we mm-hmm. are not done. Right. We are right. still rising up. It's happening here now, every day. And I think I think there's no time to waste you know it's like oh bring it up at the dinner table (laughs) you know aliveness like fight with people if you need to disrupt the nothingness like how do you get into people's awareness like Mm -hmm. we're not done
4: yet yeah
3: don't give up you know Mm. beautiful you know we've been doing these visionary fiction workshops through octavia's brood and it's just incredible to see what happens when people ideate collectively Right? When they're like, oh, let me think of fiction together. Let's think of the new stories together. So that, to me, feels like, you know, I'm like, oh, I would love to be in more practices where people are not just in study groups and reading groups, but also creation groups, where they're like, we need to be creating the next story for our neighborhood, for our community, for our group. Like the, It becomes a thing that you do when you get together with people and you're like, we want to do something together. Let's write the story. What is the story of how we're going to be? What are the successes of this story? What are the love stories in this story? The, we are we are stories, like humans are stories. Walking stories. We are the stories we're telling about our past and the stories we're telling about our future, mm-hmm. and we just get stuck in such small, narrow loops of stories that are acceptable, and then that's what our lives become, and that's what our collective lives become. And I'm really excited to be a channeler of future collective stories. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Hmm. 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 That's awesome. I can't catch no man <laughs> like, hanging us. out at the discotheque. I believe in the boogie, but the boogie don't believe in me. That's well, great. I got my way of moving, just sitting down here in my seat. I get soul satisfaction without jumping up and moving my feet. you know this song? I don't, yeah, but I'm learning yeah, it now. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, disc- I'm, I'm writing a disco show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lord. Yeah. With um, my, great, uh, my friend and musical collaborator, Juliet Jones. Oh, my God. And um, disco That's as a congregational movement that is inclusive of so many things and had to be uh, literally blown up at a baseball field because it was so powerful. Yes. And um, white people got scared of it even as white people participated in it. Right. So I was That's like so funny. like, I can't and if you do <laughs> if you like you know, I just started researching and I was like, this is a global phenomenon yes. that got people to listen to all kinds of music and all kinds of languages, go to places together and dance, learn dances, um also got people like to house huge spaces yes. where people could come together, yes. and then change the entire music industry, where you know Kiss had to make a disco song, mm. Rolling Stones had to make a disco song, you know Rod Stewart had to make a, a disco song. Once it hits Rod Stewart, it, it's you like... know, it's bananas, and it broke it broke the lie mm. of who is powerful, a powerful voice in music, and the, and then. They destroyed it and then they built back up the castle until um, sound scan happened, which actually made you scan the actual sale of records as opposed to what record companies were shifting. And that that week, like that week that it changed, the top 100 completely changed. And it was like all of these rappers and all of these stuff and Ross Stewart and them was like down in the 50s where they have always been. Except for, like, you know, maybe their first iconic eras in the 60s Mm -hmm. and early, you know. The iconic phase. Yeah. But they (sighs) they lied about everything. And lying about who is the dominant voices in art is uh, violence against the people. That's right. And it leads to political unrest. And disco um, Mm. transformed and shook that up. Um, for a period of time and it literally disco records got blown up at a doubleheader at a baseball game in Chicago and there's like you asked Nile Rodgers and he was like the next day yeah people stopped booking his band that's right so I'm doing a disco show because I'm like you know I'm gonna have an orchestra And I'm gonna have like dancers. I see and it. And then I'm gonna have a silent disco in the lobby before the show yes. starts. Yes. And then you're gonna learn a dance out there that you will do at some point. <laughs> oh up my god, here. that's yes. so amazing! <laughs> I'm like, and I'm gonna have like DJs. I'm gonna have all kinds of things. Yes. I mean, you know. Maybe I love you so I, much. Maybe we'll workshop in here, David.
3: <laughs> Where <are> you, David? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I <laughs> also want to say that Autumn is dressed for the role. She's you already got the, I'm like, <laughs> For a disco dancer or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. But, We're going to have a lot exactly. of fun
0: and, and dance and move together and tell the truth. Yes. About who we are and how we exist on this planet. And again, do some stealing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> reclaim it. That's what I'm writing. I love that. Yeah.
4: We should do a workshop
3: tomorrow. I'm. I'm already <laughs> I'm like, girl, we, we are doing the workshop, already. Right. right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I just want to know how deep is your love?
2: Is <laughs> your love how deep is your love? I really need to know, cause we're living in a world.
4: That counts as just it's like in the era. I mean it's, it's like on a in the it's sort of I'm auditioning for your show. <laughs> that, that was like, um, That was up. such Driver, a beautiful moment.
3: So I know that we've reached time. I wanna say <laughs> you're the best ever.
4: You are yeah. the best. I'm a devotee. And <laughs> we of are Torchene. devotees.
3: <laughs> 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 and, and also thank y'all so much for really honoring the question part of the QA like y'all came through with these excellent sessions. questions um, ask thank those questions you so much to Emerson um, to Mia thank you for insisting mm-hmm. upon having us here thank you David thank, thank you, you Akiba. everyone, for showing up in the snow we are so grateful we can't believe that this continues to be something we get to do and people invite us to do because we're having a blast and it's so great thank you skin thank tones you. skin tones. Yes. Y'all were everything. Yes. And um, we love y'all. Yeah. Good night. Night.